Welcome to the Eucharist Podcast with Wyoming Catholic College, responding to the call for Eucharistic renewal by sharing wisdom in God's country. I'm Jeremy Holmes, Academic Dean at Wyoming Catholic College. And I'm Kyle Washett, its President, and welcome to this episode. We've had the pleasure of these last few episodes talking about the mystery of transubstantiation, both what it actually means, why it's important, and then therefore what our response is. And we focused on two responses so far, the response of adoration to the mystery before us in the Eucharist and the response of spiritual eating, the actual receiving of Eucharistic communion. But there's a third action that's really bound up There's a third action that's really bound up with the mystery of the Eucharist, which is offering of sacrifice. Right. I I have noticed in others and have occasionally noticed in myself a kind of odd moment where perhaps one forgets about the the fast that's obligatory before receiving communion. Yeah, you know, you, you eat a little bit and suddenly you remember I was going to go to mass here in just a moment. And then there's this deflating thought like, well, I guess now I can't go to Mass, right, because I can't receive communion. As though Mass equals receiving communion, so if I can't receive communion, there's no point in Mass, right? Right. Or or similarly that, in some sense, Mass is an elaborate adoration service, right? It sort of goes to the moment where the host is elevated and everyone can kneel in adoration for it. Oh, and then there's communion. But again, in both ways, we're thinking that there's not a fundamental activity that happens at the divine liturgy that is distinct, though connected to, both adoration of the Eucharist and the reception of the communion. Namely, what the church's language tells us, which is the offering of sacrifice to God. Yeah, so let's get a a sort of running start on this idea of sacrifice. In future episodes, we will go back into the Old Testament to explore this idea. But today, let's just take as our starting point that on Good Friday, Christ offered himself to the Father as a sacrifice for our sins. This is the, the, the message of the New Testament through and through, that in his death, where, where he was crucified and bled for us, a, a, a sacrifice was offered for the salvation of the world. And we also see in the resurrection stories that the resurrection didn't just sort of delete the death as, and sort of make it as though that never happened. Rather, when he appears to the disciples, he's, he still has the marks that he can show them and the wound in his side that he can show Thomas. Uh, and... Uh, and in fact, in the book of Revelation, we see this throne room scene where, where the, the ascendant Christ appears in the throne room, and we're, we're told the lion of the tribe of Judah has arrived, and when John, the, the, you know, the, the, the seer, turns to see the lion of the tribe of Judah, he says that he saw a lamb looking as though slain, right? So Christ comes into heaven bearing his wounds, and... In fact, in the letter to the Hebrews, we find the same theme in different words. The letter to the Hebrews says that Christ entered into the temple not made by human hands, right? The heavenly temple. Uh, 
bearing his own blood, right? Whereas in the Old Testament, the priest might enter into the Holy of Holies in the earthly temple, carrying the blood of a, a, a bull or a goat. He just says Christ entered into the heavenly temple, bearing his own blood. So Christ didn't just offer the, you know, die and offer the sacrifice on Good Friday good. The sacrifice part is done and over. Um, the priesthood of Christ, his offering, his offering of that death that he only endured once on Good Friday goes on, right? He's not continuing to die, but he does not cease to offer that death. And in fact, but he offers that death. This is maybe the other aspect of it. It's not just the death that's offered, but in a certain sense, this paschal mystery of the suffering, the death, of the laying out of the body in the tomb, and of the presentation of it in his living body as the living Eucharistic Lord. So that somehow the offering of his victimhood by, the, by him as resurrected is what the mystery of the Christian sacrifice is. It's the resurrected Lord offering himself as slain. In and of itself, that's kind of mind-blowing, right? The one who was killed now as a living, active person offering himself as the one killed. So in this case, we have the priest presiding over the sacrifice and the sacrificial victim are the same one, same thing. And something that's only possible because of both the mystery of the cross and the mystery of the resurrection. Okay, that, that, that's already mind-blowing enough. But now let's bring in the Eucharist. Right, so n- now we go here. Um, now, sometimes you'll hear, um, well, the Eucharist is a sacrifice, and the way that that's imagined initially is we're sort of transporting ourselves back in time to sit on Calvary and witness the cr- crucifixion, and that's what's happening at the Eucharist. And that's not quite accurate. That's not what the Church means when they talk about the Church's Uh, the Eucharist is a sacrifice. It is certainly bound up with what happened on Calvary, but it is more bound up, as we talked about, with what's happening right now in heaven, which is not disconnected from what happened on Calvary. Right. So Christ, the eternal priest who forever lives to make intercession for us, as is said in the letter to the Hebrews, um, continually carries with him that moment, right, in a present way. Right, he's he is himself the one who died on Cal, uh, Calvary, and he is um, uh, he is now present, and it's not as though, um, yeah, the the death, the dying is over, but the offering that took place in the dying has has continued without stop. Right, there has there has never been an interruption in the in the offering of that sacrifice, and so uh, and so in, in, in that sense, it really is the same. Sacrifices happened on Good Friday because um, it's not as though at some point Christ just, I don't know, fell asleep or attended to something else or had other things on his to-do list. He has been offering that to the Father without stop. And so when we, when we, when we, when we think of Christ's moral action today and his heart turning to the Father, it's not a different moral action or a new moral action. It's the same one continuing forever. In fact, that's why we can talk about in the uh, Byzantine liturgy, we talk about we're remembering not just his death on the cross, but his descent into Hades, his glorious ascension, his presence here to the Father, and his final second coming, 
All of these are moments of him offering that eternal sacrifice to the Father, which also means that you can imagine different piety emphasizing different elements of that. We can more solemnly emphasize the the tragedy and the solemnity of the cross on Calvary, or you can emphasize the resurrected glory accompanying that, and both of those are aspects of one and the same sacrifice. Now, when we celebrate the Mass, uh, or you know what the East would call the Divine Liturgy, um, we have a priest who has been ordained, you know, in a line, you know, by the bishop in a line from the apostles in, who were instituted by Christ, right? So, he, and, he, and so he's authorized finally by Christ Himself to act in the name of Christ. But what he does is he he brings about the change of bread into the body of Jesus and the change of wine into the blood of Jesus. And we've been over this and over this in the episodes previously, but we never stopped to mention, to, 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 to notice that it's not just one change. The priest actually affects two changes, one of the bread and one of the wine, one into the flesh, the other into the blood. But now that that distinction becomes the, the heart of the matter. Right, right. So in fact, you might ask, well, what is happening at the consecration when we say it's offer, offering sacrifice? Because we're not saying that the priest re-kills Christ. We're not saying that he nails Christ to the cross. We're not saying any of those things. All we're saying is he says the words and... Christ becomes present under the species of bread and under the species of wine. And yet that presence, we're saying, constitutes the offering of the sacrifice. Right. So there are two layers to that point, right? The first is the general layer that we've been talking about up till today, which is that because Christ is truly present there, that is, the Christ who is in heaven is now before us through the appearances of bread and wine, and the thing that he's doing all the time for us is acting as priest. He is forever offering himself to the Father. So all, so at layer one, we, we've got sort of a, a foundation laid for saying that we're, we're offering the sacrifice, but we need one more piece to complete the picture. If Christ is on the altar and Christ is offering himself, where is the indicator that we are joining him in that offering, right? Where does that come in? Well, that comes in with the double transubstantiation, right? That by Christ's command, by his institution, we specifically present the appearances of the body is over here and the blood is over there. Now, what does it mean if you have someone's body to your left and their blood to, the, to your right? Um, well, it means death, right? That's, that's what that's a sign of. Now, in in this case, Christ does not die, but the the sign that we present by having the, the, the sacrament of his body here and the sacrament of his blood there is we explicitly indicate that we are not only making him present in a general way, that by his command he is becoming present with us precisely as offering his death. It's precisely the death that he's making present in, 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 in this miracle. And so, in fact, in the early church, just to, 
think about where the imagery might be associated with that is there's descriptions of laying the white cloth over the altar as talking about it as a grave cloth. And in some of the very earliest stone altars that we found, they look like sarcophagi. They're designed to look like a grave of some sort so that in some sense what we're envisioning imaginatively happening is the body being sort of laid out uh, on the tombstone as the on the mercy seat on the place of offering sacrifice and the body has bled out the blood and water have poured out from the side and we're putting the body there and then the blood and the water that have been collected in this chalice or maybe put next to it that sort of imaginative moment of here's the body here's the blood both separate being offered here but here's the thing when we consecrate the body of christ it's not only the body of christ and when we consecrate the blood of Christ, it's not the blood of Christ, as in the blood of Christ separate from the body. And, but why is that, right? Because you know, why is the body not just the body and the blood not just the blood? Um, well, it's because because we're dealing not not with the currently dead Lord Jesus Christ, but with the currently risen Lord Jesus Christ, and in the actually existing Christ in heaven, His body and His blood are like your body and blood right now, or like your left hand and your right hand, or like your head and your foot. They're all one substance. They're all one thing. And so when, you, um, when, when, when we make present the body of the Lord, it, the substance of his body in heaven is not sundered from his blood. And so even though the direct thing we do, or the direct thing the priest does, is to make present the body, the blood has to, so to speak, come along with that, right? Because it is, in fact, united with his body in heaven. And when we make present, when the priest directly makes present the blood of Christ, well, in fact, the body and the, and the whole of Christ has to come along with that because it's all, they're all one substance, one thing in heaven. So we have the direct thing done. Let's make the body present here. Let's make the blood present there. And that direct thing done is the sign that Christ has given us to make to to make explicit on our altars his his interior offering to the Father. But the, the but in fact the death is only made present inside. Right? It's it's not it, it's not the case that that the the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus get separated out such that he is. Uh, he is no longer the risen Lord. So going back to what we've been saying about the mystery of transubstantiation, that portal that's opened up by the elements of the bread and that portal that's opened up by the elements of the wine opens up onto one and the same person, the risen Lord with his wounds standing before the Father in heaven. And yet when we what we see on the altar is the body over here, and the blood over here, the, the bread over here, the chalice over there. And so what we see is what St. John is trying to capture in his vision of Revelation. The lamb looking as though slain. He right? sees him, yeah. It's the risen lamb. It's it's the living lamb. But but he but he, commute, he comes to us looking as though slain. And and that, that looking as though slain, the, the, the wounds he still bears or on our altar, the, the distinct presentation of, of body and blood, is necessary because remember we're in the realm of sacraments, which is a realm of signs. Uh, everything is about what does it mean 
and right and and for Christ to offer himself to the father is an intention it's a it's a thing his soul does right and so um, we need to to have expressed the death and the offering of the death and by by that expression we have the sacrifice right we have the uh, we, 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 are, we are connected directly to, to what Christ is doing for us eternally. And then there's this moment in both the Byzantine liturgy and the Mass where the priest lifts up the consecrated uh, bread and lifts up the consecrated chalice and reveals it as a moment of this is the consecration, this is the Lord that we're going to receive. And then holding the host or holding the the, the lamb in his hands, the priest then puts it into the chalice. Not because, oh, now the body and blood of Christ are reunited in heaven, actually, but so that we can see both of these elements that are made present in the sacrifice. On the one hand, the consecration where the body is over here and the blood's over here. And on the other hand, at that moment of communion, the one we're in communion with is the one where the body and blood are reunited in the risen Lord. Now let's back off for the larger context of what we've been talking about. Uh, and by back off, I mean, um, let's zoom out to take in the whole of creation. So <laughs> when, when God creates the world, it, the world comes from him so that it can return to him, right? And when God creates mankind in the beginning, he creates mankind... Uh, mankind comes from him so that mankind can return to him and worship and praise him for his creation and through man the whole world can come back to him now that system broke down when Adam and Eve sinned right and sundered their union with God um, but not to get into all the Old Testament stuff that we're going to be getting into coming up Christ brings the world back to its original destiny in Christ mankind again offers himself back to God um, and not only um, in the way he would have but incomparably better because now it's the God man offering himself to God and and he offers not only himself but he offers all of his members that is to say us right the whole the, his whole body uh, to the father in himself and in so doing, he's bringing the world back to God. So when we talk about um, the, the Eucharist and say it's very important to remember that the Eucharist is not only communion, it is also sacrifice, what we're talking about is don't forget that the Mass is what the world was made for. And when we come to the resurrection of the flesh at the end of time and we enter our glorified state, what we are going to be doing for the rest of time, uh, in, in, in addition to beholding God face to face, will be in that union with him, offering ourselves in Christ and with Christ to the Father for all eternity. That's, that's the words the priest says when he lifts up the consecrated body and blood of our Lord, saying, I offer to you, uh, offering you to the Father, yours of your own, on behalf of all and for all. That, that that we're offering what is God's for the sake of what is God's to redeem all of that so that we're able to be standing before the face of the Father. Which is to say this, that those three things we talked about as for the Eucharist, adoration, communion, and sacrifice, 
are in fact one and the same fundamental reality. They're the heavenly activity. What are the saints of heaven doing? They are in adoration, communion with Christ and each other, offering to the Father all that he has created through the sacrifice of the Lamb standing as though slain, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Eucharistic Podcast at Wyoming Catholic College. To learn more about Wyoming Catholic College, visit wyomingcatholic.edu.